So I just have one question for you. Are you ready to win? Winning with waterfall racing is all about being a part of a community that supports each other. We have top age groupers, we have beginners, and we also have a group of the most incredible pros. And we're all here to support each other on this journey of triathlon, endurance sports, and really just to get each other through life. You're going to love our podcast because we bring a mix of professionals, age groupers, mindset leaders, everything coming together to help support this journey, to help us become the best version of us in chasing this sport that gets quite addicting, to be honest, but it's all there to help us achieve one thing, and that's to grow and to become the best version of ourselves. So welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Well, here I am on Sunday, December 31st, 2023. It's New Year's Eve, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in to our last episode of the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Fun fact, it was last minute we decided to have some friends over, so here I am scrambling to get my workout in after church, get the house cleaned up, which it's still kind of a a half decorated for Christmas, but all the outside stuff is down. So um, good thing they're close friends. I don't think they're going to care really about the the craziness of what the house looks like a little bit, but we're going to have a good time tonight. But I was committed to getting this podcast edited and put out there before midnight. So here it goes. Uh, I want to just give a big shout out. Uh, Spotify does like a year end review and it was so, so cool to see how we were actually the top 10 podcasts for so many of our listeners, the top podcast for a, a good handful of our listeners. And um, it, it also shared, I think it says shared to 15 different countries globally. So that's because of you. That's because of you sharing this show, subscribing to the show, liking the show. It means the world that you're so supportive. Because uh, after all, I'm just showing up to here to, you know, to just encourage you along this journey because we're all in this together. We are trying to grow. We are trying to chase the best version of ourselves. And for so many of us crazies, it's through endurance sports, um, you know, a lot of it being triathlon. So thanks for being a part of the journey this year. I quickly went back and just grabbed a few clips from some of my interviews. Uh, We had some incredible, incredible guests this year. But, you know, some of the top guests, you know, I had Marinda Carfrey on here, which it was so cool. I interviewed her, oh, I think it might have been in the summer. So this was, I think, before she was even pregnant, before she had her third baby. But it was right around when she uh, announced that, you know, she was going to be, you know, completely retiring from the sport. It might have been before the summer. It might have been earlier in the year. But it was it was just neat to get her insight. So I just played a clip from that. Uh, also touched base with Erin Carson earlier. You know, when it comes to strength training, she is definitely known as, uh, you know, the expert in that field, especially for our sport, whether you're a top professional or you're just someone trying to be healthy. She she brings a lot of wisdom to everybody. Then, of course, I, I snagged a clip from Taylor Nib, and it was before, actually, she announced that she was going to be racing Kona. So you'll pick up on that. 
that. And then I also jumped into a mindset clip from um, from Brandon Thalk. He's from the Evolved Athlete. He's somebody that's, you know, no stranger to, uh, you know, a lot of our athletes here in the Waterfall Racing Team. And then I was so excited to catch up with Thomas, who just recently uh, was able to uh, get his pro card or, or actually, you know, start the process because I had the privilege of racing with him in Augusta. So I got to sit down, have breakfast with him and his mom. And then throughout the day, you know, I I was racing as well. But at the end of the day to see what an amazing race he had in Augusta and his placement there is actually what was the final, uh, you know, the final qualification there to to allow him to pursue his dream and to accomplish it. And we get to touch base with him and just feel his energy and his excitement and just a reminder of, you know, what it feels like to just go after that big, crazy dream and then to actually achieve it. So amazing. So we're excited to, um, you know, to talk to him and just to continue to track him this next year. So without further delay, let's jump in and get a little reminder of some of the interviews earlier in the year, and then we'll take a listen to Thomas. What would be a sign that an athlete is, is overdoing their strength training? Injury. Injury. Okay. Yeah. Number one, I, I really think that, I mean, I've, I, I haven't done it cause I don't like to be very controversial, but one of my tweets that I'll never tweet <laughs> or messages <laughs> that I won't put on Instagram is most endurance athletes who are doing strength training are probably doing too much. They, you know, yeah. if we and look I'll at raise my hand. I'm probably in that category. I'm probably but, in that category. Yeah. But if it makes you happy, then it's hard to argue with that. Like if, right. if, if the athlete is happy, then, then we, we would never push back on that. So there was an article a few years ago in triathlete magazine or lava magazine, or one of the great magazines that don't get made anymore. Um, where this guy was like, he would win his age group all the time. He was just a perennial top of the podium guy. But he he was he was really skinny and his probably testosterone was a little bit low. He started strength training. He immediately felt better emotionally and mentally, which would indicate a hormonal shift to the better for him. Um, He put on some muscle. He was happier. He started recognizing that he was not as good at triathlon that he used to be. Um, he wasn't winning really? his age group anymore because he was carrying more muscle. He was probably training a little bit less, but he was happy. And I read that article and it stuck with me because I'm like, why do we do the sport? We do the right. sport to do the best we can, but for the most part, we want to be healthy. We want to be, we want to look good. We want to feel good. And there are times when that, that shift, it's worth it. You know, it's worth not finishing on the top of the podium because ultimately your friends don't really care that you finish on the podium. They just are impressed and blown blown away that you do this amazing sport. So they don't really care if you win or not, but they do care that you're, you're happy because they love you, you know? So, so I think that for some people chasing a podium at the expense of their health and their happiness might not be worth it. So my, the pros that I have the opportunity to work with, my job is to help them become champions and to do what they need to do to, to win races. Um, 
and their health needs to come first because again, an unhealthy pro is, is a very unhappy pro. So, right, right. so I, I think with the age groupers, we have to take a look at the bigger picture of, um, of a quality of life and, and, and that kind of thing. So there's just so many, so many aspects to it all. And it, it's intriguing and it's fun and it's it keeps me curious and, and, you know, it's try a little bit of trial and error, but for the most part, you've just got to keep digging in on the science. You got to keep digging up, digging in on the things that, that haven't been proven yet and try and stay ahead of the science in many ways. Um, and just be able to help people progress. I know I'm doing a good job if, if my athletes are happy, but most importantly that they're, they're progressing in life the way they want to. And if that means getting on podiums, then that's great. And if that means feeling better and happier, then that's great too. Um, you know, down the road, do you see full distance in your, in your future, whether it's immediate or, I mean, is it something you're interested in? Cause we all know you could do very well at it. Well, I don't know. We know if I could do well at it yet. I mean, I can fully, I can have a catastrophic breakdown. Like you don't know that. Like maybe my tapping out point is like seven hours and 40 minutes. And then I'm like Paul movie Frazier on a leaky drive. Like you, just, you don't know, but, um, but yes, like, I think like ultimately, I don't know when exactly that'll be, but like, that's, I think like people, I think with this year and I was like, like, to be perfectly honest, I've been like, questioning how much more short course racing I want to do right. like that probably wouldn't come as a surprise to anyone um and especially those like close to me because it's like like the Olympics are amazing but I don't think they're everything and it's also like like it's it's just I I don't know like it's just they didn't they're not my dream the same way that like I got into the sport because like I watched Kona because right. like I watched like I would come down my mom was riding the bike I had no idea what it was but I can like I, all I remember is like, so you know how like the finish line, they're like all the flags yeah. and it was always dark. Cause she was at the end of the NBC show. Cause it was like near the end of her ride. And like, yeah. just like I saw that finish line and I had no idea what it was for probably years, but then it was like, slowly I learned slowly. I watched like the whole race, not just the final five minutes of the NBC show. Um, but like, so that's, I think like, that's, that's part of what excites me, excites me. But like, as I said before, it's also like improving. So anything that I do, if I'm like, Ooh, I really want to like be better at that. That's, that's the addicting part. And that's the fun part and the journey part in terms of like, okay, can I be better? And you might not, that's the thing. Like you don't know when you've had your best performance ever. That's, yeah. that's the unfortunate thing or fortunate. Cause like, if you knew it was your best performance ever, you'd probably quit maybe. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> if it's like, that's the best that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and this takes me back to a question I was going to ask you. When you're going into a race, and I think we all know the answer, but, you know, what is your goal? I, I want to do my best, and or is it I'm going to win this race? Like, what makes you walk away from a race saying that was a good race? Well, so I think that, like, it, expectations probably do matter heading into a race. Like, that, that really helps. I think it's – so, so you'd – some professionals might not say like, I want to win this race. I think that that can be helpful for me because there's kind of a difference between like wanting to win and wanting to do your best. Right. And if you want to like win, it can sometimes like get you to your best that you couldn't even fathom because like decisions have to be made. So it's like, kind of like, is it appropriate to have that goal? Is it realistic to have that goal? And then is it like, is it debilitating to have that goal? Cause if you're not in that position, um, then like, so like, is it like, I guess, 
is it like, I'm not the person to ask, but like, sometimes I do have that goal. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but like, it kind of, it's just like, you have to explore the possibility and what it would take to get there. Um, Because there are like in the moment decisions where it's kind of like, I've thought to myself in races, it's like, okay, that's, that's the move that can make or break your race. And it's like, do I go or do I not go? And (laughs) like, I can tell you that like, sometimes I'm like, I just can't go. Like, but, and it may or may not have broken my race because there might be 15 of those throughout a short course race, especially. Um, But for long course races, I think it's more like executing my process and like, how can I execute the best swim, bike and run in transitions? Um, And then kind of where does that, where do I land? And regardless of how, and so probably similarly, like a more micro scale to the macro scale of the month of racing, like regardless of if you have a great swimmer or poor swim, like I'm going to still try to execute the best bike I can. Like don't let a, something that happens previously influence it. Like also don't, don't overcompensate. Don't like be upset. Um, Because, but, but also I think one thing that my coach has taught me is like control is a huge aspect. And if you feel like you're in control of your race or the race as a whole, it's kind of, um, it's less stressful. And so if you're not in the position that you want to be in, that can then lead to a spiral because it's kind of like, okay, like I'm not in the position and then you freak out. And then your Watts, like if your Watts are where you want them to go, they'll fall even lower. And then it'll just keep, it's like a vicious cycle. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like this is the best I have right now. Like that's good enough and continuing. And you know what? maybe it'll feel better. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll feel horrible for another hour, but it turns around like just kind of like, how can I be the best in each moment? And don't like without any judgment, like we're good at judging ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Appointment from a parent, you know, maybe uh, I felt left out of a group, right. Or I went to practice and I did something stupid and I got made fun of. Right. So those, we attach those fears to whatever that is. And if we're not conscious of it, we're going to operate that way. Like I said, wherever we left it last, that's what it is. So it's going to be a motivator until we address it. So we can pretend these things didn't happen, but we have to get back to peace about it if we're going to unlock the body. So the mind and the body are intimately connected. So if I have a fear, that's also creating tension in my body. Okay. So, so that's going to decrease performance. It's going to eat up energy. Um, and you know, my, my thoughts are going to be of self-sabotage rather than my success. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's so good. And, you know, just to unpack what you're saying too, is I think, you know, when you have that weakness, getting that outside help is so important and, you know, so encouraging because a lot of times if we have a weakness because we are embarrassed of the weakness or we, you know, put in our story in our mind, well, I'm never going to be good at that then we don't think it's worth investing, you know, maybe the extra time or maybe, maybe even the extra money or whatever to get somebody to help us, you know, make that a strength. And mm-hmm. there's something about when you take that jump, when you reach out for the help, when you start investing in the weakness, then you become invested, right? Because now you're like, okay, I'm so invested. I better work hard to make this a strength, you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm committed to it instead of, like you said, just kind of, ignoring it or hoping it's going to get better or finding a way to compensate for it. Um, and yeah, so for me with the swim, that that's been huge, you know, and a lot of it was just the, repainting the positivity too. You know, I see a lot of posts of, you know, people complaining about going to the pool and the swim and, and you can stay in that state or you can turn it into, I love going to the pool, right? It's so hot yeah. right now. Like the one discipline right now, I'm not hot. 
feels amazing to jump into the water. Uh, I feel so good afterwards. I lose all the lactic acid. And, and truthfully, in the, the triathlon, it's hard, but it is probably the least painful of the three, right? So, like, yeah. when I, I'm like, this is the only time today that I'm not going to be hot. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be sweating. It actually feels amazing. If you're in the ocean, beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. enjoy it instead of, like, you know, cringing up. Um, and yeah, I've invested, you know, to get someone to help me, you know, more with my swim too. And, and it's amazing how it's coming along and, and you're right. It's going to help me show up and think, what if I show up to Kona and I'm excited about the swim and yeah. I see myself as nailing the swim and not the anxiety over it. How different will this race be today? You know? Um, so yeah, it's so much reframing and getting the help. Those were so, you know, so many good points and, and, and not running from it, right? Because it's yeah. just well, unfortunately, like our insecurities, you, we have shame around them. Okay, and so shame is this like I'm alone with it. Nobody can help me. Like all that stuff, right? And so oh. the reality is, is like find somebody with compassion that's like gone through what you've gone through and they've conquered it, right? So that's yeah. like that's who you want to look for is somebody who's faced a similar thing and they've overcome it because they're going to know all the struggles you're going through. And they're going to be patient with you in that learning process. Right, right. And I think the beauty of that, too, is, and I know for me, my biggest goal is if I can learn how to swim coming from no swim background, I can't wait to help other people because I will truly understand, you Mm -hmm. know, what that feels like. Because there is a difference when you have a coach or somebody who swam since they were kids, they don't necessarily always know how to relate to somebody who's starting later in life. Right. Um, swim, you know, even though they may be amazing, they may not be amazing at teaching a complete non swimmer to swim because they don't understand the feelings and the journey and all of that. So now it gives you an opportunity to, you know, give back and help somebody else. Well, and the, the best teachers, I would say, are the ones that can find a commonality in everything. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you could have a swimmer that it was more natural for them, but like they might have struggled in something else. And if they can bridge that gap, um, because the process is the same regardless, no matter what you're working on. So if they, they can, uh, you know, find that commonality, now they can start to relate and connect to you differently. Um, and, you know, because they probably have all the, the skills and knowledge that they, they're not even aware of because it's, it's more natural to them. It's been easier. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's like the greatest teachers can find the similarities in everything, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the longevity piece, um, we were really – um not strict but we we made sure we planned out our seasons every year and so I would sit down with my coach Tim would sit with down with his and we'd be like okay Kona's the goal let's make sure it works right back from there and let's like you can't train from January to October so let's break it up and we'd always have like a mid-season week off where we just went and did nothing you know for a week and then we always made sure we had you know like a month two weeks to you know six uh, really sort of a month um where we weren't training after Kona, where we, unless we wanted to put another race on the schedule, but we would make sure at some point at the end of the season, there was at least two weeks of no training and then probably two weeks of structured training before we got into training to, into the real, um, you know, schedule of things. And that I think mentally was really good because you sort of had something to look forward to, but also, you know, after two weeks of doing nothing, you're kind of itching to get back at it. And that was, I think, the reason we were able to continue on such a high level for a long time in terms of the motivation and the pressure and all that sort of stuff. I think I really 
I didn't know that I would be this type of person, but I thrived on the pressure. Like my first years in Kona, yes, it was scary. Yes, I was nervous. Um, and those nerves were awful leading up to the race. But I seemed to be able to, when there was the most on the line, I was able to get the most out of myself because it was worth it. Like going through that much pain in the race and working that hard, um, the goal was worth it. And so I think, you know, those first years in Kona, it was all like, this is amazing. This is like my dreams come true, you know? And then after you win a couple of times, like sort of by 2013, 2014, I'd had, you know, second, the first, second, the third, and then two, two firsts. I sort of, by 2015, I was like, I don't know. It didn't feel as magical anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, it was more like work um, than, you know, what I'd come into the sport for was because I loved it and I loved the challenge and I wanted to challenge myself and see how fast I could go. And it sort of was changing. Um, and like, it seemed like everybody wanted a piece of me and every, it just, you know, obviously it was a privileged position. And I kept reminding myself, look, this is, I've worked really hard to be in this position, but it's, it's, you know, social media was starting to take off and it wasn't all about just performance. It wasn't about just doing your training. It was about the photo shoots. It was about being a um, presence, having a good presence on social media. It was, it was about so many other things. And I was just like, but you got, you know, at the end of the day, if I don't perform, then you guys are not going to continue to support me. And so, and then just like, just, yeah, getting, being on that same old, like build up preparation, it sort of, it just lost a little bit of its shine. And so that mentally got a little bit hard. I think anyone um, on that train sort of after so many times of doing it, and that was sort of 2015 was my sixth year of dedicating my whole life to one event. Um, it just sort of was just getting mentally really hard to um, get up for. Um, yeah. And then actually in 2015, I ended up getting knocked off the bike a couple of days before the race and didn't end up finishing. Um, but it was almost like probably a good thing because I was just mentally exhausted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then I came back in 2016 and, um, and I finished second. And But then sort of I had sort of had other things going on, like my heart was starting to pull me in. Oh, it's the body clock is ticking. Like I know I want we want kids is this the right time? Like how, you know, how do I do that? I still want to race. I'm not, I'm not done here. I want to continue to race, but then I also want to start a family. So there was all of that sort of stuff that comes into it too. But um, yeah, I think in terms of just longevity, trying to have fun with it um, and having a good schedule and a good team, honestly, like my team was amazing. Uh, Siri Lindley, my managers, Wendy Ingram and uh, Shannon Delaney. And um, obviously my husband, Tim, and then, yeah, I mean, all my sponsors, I had such great, you know, support over the years. And, um, yeah, I think that's all part of it. So the decision to have Izzy, how, I mean, how hard was that to come to? And to, like you said, you were starting to kind of feel like, okay, there's more to life. Because mm-hmm. um, I loved, I listened to, I guess when you were on another podcast, you were talking about, you know, like in order to compete at the level and perform like you have, you have to be a hundred percent in a hundred percent focused. Like this is everything. This yeah. is absolutely everything. So at this point now, like you said, your thoughts are going towards, but I do want to have a family. I do 
you know, so how did that decision finally come about? Okay, this, because you knew making that decision and jumping through that, even though you knew you wanted to get back into the sport, you knew there was a big chance it could change everything. Yes, so absolutely. how did you, you know, come to that and um, tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I think uh, sort of, I think 2015, it sort of started to like, you know, I started to feel that way. Like, I, you know, okay, I'm 30. No, sorry. Yeah. 34. Um, definitely want to have more than one baby and sort of I've had an amazing career. And I think what happens is I was so focused and so driven. And so like traf- Ironman Kona was everything. And then it was like, but also I want this now. And it's sort of that voice just got louder and louder and it became more important than winning another title to be quite honest. And well, here we are, last episode of 2023. Um, I'm hoping to get it edited and out here within the next day or so, but it will be the last episode. And I wanted to finish it off with Thomas from our own waterfall racing team because you guys, he has a big announcement. Thomas, tell us what you just found out over Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, those of you who know me know that I have been looking to make this happen for the past year. But over Thanksgiving, um, with family in Boulder, I found out that I was eligible for my professional license uh, and just officially accepted it this past week through USAT. So I will be spending next year racing as a professional. That is so exciting. So let's backtrack. I had you on earlier in the year just to highlight, you know, um, you know, so much about you and, and just your whole journey in triathlon period and some of the things you've overcome. But then I also had the privilege of actually being able to sit down with you in person and your mom and, you know, racing Augusta. We had breakfast there. Yes. And Augusta was such a tough, um, I mean, I felt like it was a challenging race. It had a really competitive field. And you went out and crushed it. So let's backtrack a little bit. Leading up to Augusta, you know, how were you feeling? Because your your race prior to that was way back Boulder. So it had been a few months, obviously, of racing. Um, you know, why did you decide to do Augusta? What led you to Augusta? Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the race. Yeah. So, um, I mean, first of all, breakfast was awesome. And what a fun so spot fun. that we got to hit. <laughs> uh, food was great. Um, but, yeah. So, you know. Augusta had been on the calendar all year. It was one that I had my eye on, um, mostly because it, you know, it fit the criteria of having a men's pro field, um, but also was on the East Coast, so it wasn't too much travel for me. Um, And yeah, mindset going into Augusta was, you know, my goal this past year was to earn my pro card. Um, So, you know, I knew at that point that I had one of my two races uh, over the threshold from Boulder. And then, um, you know, the world champs in Finland was a hard race because of the conditions and just the field and everything. So going into Augusta, it was almost a little bit freeing because I was like, you know what, this very well may may be the last race of the year. So let's just, you know, kind of let it all, let it all go out there, um, see what I can do and hopefully put myself in a position to, to accept the license. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the day. Um, I mean, it was, a, they definitely, they changed the course this year. I have raced it the last couple of years. Um, and it was known as this, you know, really flat, fast course. 
And um, I feel like maybe the current wasn't quite as fast as it usually <laughs> is. But then also uh, the bike was about comparable, but I think the run was the biggest change. Uh, there were some hills, just the exit out of, you know, the exit out of the snow. Oh, yeah. The hill. And then there was those real punchy hills. So tell us about, you know, your day. How did the swim go, the bike, the run? How were you feeling throughout the day? Yeah. Um, you know, first thought about the swim was when I was walking up to the start, uh, I saw crocodiles. So I was glad to not be the first guy getting in the water. Yep. Um, but I actually, that was easily my best swim in a race ever. Um, I was able to put up a top 10 swim split for my age group, which for me is um, pretty, pretty solid given that I'm an adult onset swimmer and that is not my strength. Um, so, you know, coming out of the water pretty, pretty far up and certainly farther up than I'm used to. Um, I, you know, felt great head of onto the bike and had a pretty strong bike, um, finished right around the two hour and 10 minute mark, two hour, 15 minute mark. So, um, that was a, also a top 10, uh, bike split for my age group. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, I heard the same thing about the run that is supposed to be flat and fast and not super technical. Um, and then, you know, a couple minutes in, you get routed, you get routed through a, uh, a playground, a playground on, a, on yep. a single, you know, little bit of concrete that zigzags up to some brick. And I was kind of like, huh, well, okay, <laughs> here we are. May have to adjust. Um, but yeah, I, you know, um, overall, even though the run wasn't quite what I was expecting, um, could not complain. I actually, I really did enjoy the course despite the punchy funny random hills um and ended up setting a um a pr for my 13.1 in a race setting um and you place where did you place in your age group in the run you have uh second second place yeah in my age group with the run yeah um so i ran uh uh, 118 um which i was pretty psyched about on, on the day for sure yeah Oh my goodness, that's amazing! So yeah, so overall it was terrific. Yeah, yeah. So you finished Augusta, and you knew, okay, I should have placed, you know, high enough to be getting information um, on this. But you you found out later that there was actually like I don't know some discrepancy, or they or they were kind of there was a mix up. What happened with why they were waiting so long to post the the point? Yeah, I never really got a super straight answer. Um, you know, I, I waited a couple months because I didn't want to be that guy and didn't want to be emailing USAT and asking questions because yeah. I know they're busy and they have their hands full. But, you know, after I think it was two and a half months, I did send one email and I was like, Hey, just curious to, you know, when the, uh, the points from Augusta maybe entered into everyone's accounts. And pretty much what they said is that the race director from Augusta somehow had given them the wrong data. So they were having to fix it and then, you know, redo the scoring and everything. So there was definitely a a big delay for the points going in. Okay. Okay. And then tell us, you actually found out, um, got the email or got the notification when you got to Boulder, to Boulder for Thanksgiving or what happened? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, um, I moved to Boulder, uh, and I'm living with Jack Brownlee, um, in a house in Longmont now. Um, and it's been incredible. Um, 
but my parent, well, my mom and my brother um, ended up coming out to Boulder to celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, and, you know, pretty much ever since that two and a half month mark, when I sent the email, I was checking my USAT account every day, <laughs> like, all right, okay. you know, just got to keep looking, it'll go in at some point. Um, so the day that uh, my mom and brother flew into Boulder, um, I hadn't looked at my phone because, you know, we were catching up and going and doing stuff. And later in the afternoon, I was like, you know what, might as well just go ahead and just take a look. And sure enough, um, you know, as fortuitous as the timing was, it was perfect. The, oh the points had gone in on the day that they showed up. Um, and, you know, I had placed high enough in Augusta that that was my second race over the threshold. So that was kind of when I, when I realized that it was, it was, uh, done. That is so exciting. So, so exciting. So let's talk about how along the way too, you kind of talked your brother into trying <laughs> the triathlon thing. How did, I think you mentioned that the last time when I interviewed, how did it go for him? His first, what did he do? A sprint or an Olympic? What did he yeah. do? Yeah, so he lives in um, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, so he just did a, a local sprint um, in Marin County. Okay. Um, and, you know, for his birthday, I sent him a suit and sent him a cap and <laughs> helped kind of get him the basics. And Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, all props to him because leading up to the race, he put in the time and, you know, was trying to learn and get as much out of it as he could. And he ended up having a great race. Um, he placed second in his age group, You're which kidding. for his first race is killer. Oh um, my goodness. That is so yeah, he had a great day. Oh uh, now what's his background? Did he have any background in any of the three or uh his background is you know very similar to mine and honestly even even a little bit less. He played soccer all the way through high school. Um and then actually played on the Duke men's soccer team when he was there, oh, okay. uh, but has never swim, bike, or ran. Okay. Um, so he just hopped into it a couple months before and, you know, um, got right into it. Yeah. That's so, so fun. And not to spoil it yet, but you <laughs> he were, were priming him for a race coming up. So, but let's get back to you. Um, so what does it look like now? So you're living in Boulder. Uh, I guess, are you working remotely there or you're working there or how are you going to now try to juggle doing the, the both? Yeah. Um, so, you know, thankfully I've been able to hang on to some uh, programming clients that I have, you know, just established relationships with in Virginia. Um, but then I've also connected with Erin Carson um, okay. of EC Fit in Boulder. Um, so, you know, she coaches uh, Taylor Nib and yeah. Timo and a bunch of other huge names. Yeah. Um, so I've been really, really, you know, lucky and thankful to get in with her. Um, so I am going to be doing personal training, um, and coaching through her, pr uh, program and platform, uh, oh, which is okay. tremendous. So yeah. that's a great opportunity. Well, no, my, I want to come up there one time and just like do a few sessions up there with her, uh, just to see, and you know what I mean? Just to learn some different exercises and things I should be incorporating to find any imbalances that she might find. And, um, I really want to do that once, one time. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, she's just so talented and, um, she is, you know, dedicated her life to it. And it's so apparent because, you know, I've only spent 
you know, a handful of real quality days with her, but I've already learned so much. Um, and just the, the modalities and the things that she implements um, for all of her clients, like may they be Taylor, who is obviously a world-class world champion athlete, yeah. Yeah. or, you know, this group of women who were, who were trying to get to just kind of this baseline of fitness so that they can stay strong through their everyday life. She takes just as much care and puts yeah. in just as much work. Um, and she's just so methodical and empirical about it all. And it's, yeah. it's really a pleasure to be around. Yeah. Oh, you're going to learn so much. That's really exciting. Um, yeah. It's, it's um, amazing. Well, blessing. Oh, cool. Okay. So now here we are looking into 2024. I know you couldn't be more excited <laughs> on what's coming up and planning your season. Uh, what are we looking at or what can you share so far to this point that you figured out? Where are we going to be starting off? Where's going to be our first pro race? Yeah. So first pro race, assuming that all goes well uh, for the rest of the off season and everything, um, it will be Oceanside, um, oh, which, you know, it's a big one, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's, you know, kind of a traditional spot for a lot of folks to kick their season off and, um, I didn't see a reason why I shouldn't just jump kind of head first and go ahead and go for it. Oh my goodness. It's such a competitive <laughs> field, it's such a stack field. And like I was telling you before we first record, it's kind of like, I think it's one of the best places for a, a first race to be because there's no pressure on you whatsoever. You can just yeah. go out there, do your thing and wherever you land, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, I mean, I know you'll have an amazing race, but you know, there's no expectations because it is such a competitive and stacked field and jump right in. Everything else will seem easy the rest of the year. I think it wants to yeah, get <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. So you think you'll get there earlier and do some ocean swims or. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and, uh, you know, especially kind of, we alluded to it before, but my younger brother, Will, is going to be racing in Oceanside as well, and he lives in California. That'll be his first 70.3. So um, I'm hoping that we will both be able to get down there early um, and check out the course, and I'd love to spend some time in the ocean for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think last year they switched the swim course a little bit um, because of, I forget why, but I think they usually start off, they did more into that like marina area for mm -hmm. the part because of I don't know if it was the current or what it was, but there was something where they switched it. Um, gotcha. The they kind of rearranged where the swim was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it started. It's a really cool, cool um, venue, though. You're gonna. Love yeah, it. I'm. I'm really excited. I've heard amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then after that, what are we thinking? Yeah. So after that, um, I'm also looking at the 70.3 in Chattanooga. Oh, um, that's a fun one. So that'll be mid-May. Uh, okay. And again, that just seems like a terrific place to be. And everyone seems to love that course. Yeah. Um, and downriver swim, which, you know, is great for me. Um, <laughs> I'll take all the swim help I can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might, um, I'm, if I don't catch you in Oceanside, I might catch you there because I'm thinking about doing the double and doing, because I think um, Gulf Coast is the weekend before. Oh, yeah. I wanted to do like back. I seem to do better when I do like back to back because I feel like the first time I vomit and then the second time I'm like, okay, 
I know what the suffering is going to feel like. So then I'm like braver. I don't know. It works for me this year with doing two fulls close. So maybe I need to start trying that strategy. But yeah, Chattanooga, I might be there too. That'll be. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And then what else are you thinking? Are you going to, do you want to stick with the 70.3 distance or do you want to explore doing the full? (laughs) What's your feelings towards that? Yeah, so I think I will spend most of the season doing seventy point three, mm-hmm. um, and I've kind of got my eyes on a couple other, certainly Boulder because it'll be hometown sure. and home, hometown for waterfall as well. Yeah. Um, and then um, I was also maybe thinking about Maine, um, which is supposed to be incredible. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to my coach, and we are thinking about maybe ending the season off with a full. Oh um, goodness. Which is a little crazy to say, but <laughs> you know, it's a little daunting, but you know, yeah. I mean, until, until you explore that, you know, and, and see, cause it's, it's funny how athletes start to find, like, sometimes they surprise themselves and they're like, you know what, the, the fool's actually my, my strength. It suits me better, which, you know, that kind of seems like a curse, not a blessing, but Oh, no, that, that's really cool to be interesting to see how you feel about that. Yeah, and I'm just going to take that energy from you and tell myself <laughs> that that might be the case because that seems like a really good mental place to go into it. Like, hey, think- maybe this will just be even better. Yeah, yeah, because think you don't have to go quite as fast. You just have to go a little longer. You know, just a little longer. (laughs) But not quite. No, but seriously, I know um, I had Alex Watt on earlier Mm -hmm. this year, and she her strong suit is the full distance. Um, And some of it is because she can hold that medium fast pace forever. But to go the fast, fast pace, you know, of the pros and the 70.3, it's more of a struggle for her. And so, I mean, she just does fools and she does amazing. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. And sometimes, too, when people, when the swim isn't necessarily your strength, strength, it seems like the longer would be worse. But it actually kind of plays to your advantage because then you have even more time, you know, to to make up for maybe the swim. Sure. Um, because we know your bike and running, you know, is amazing. So you have more time to showcase that. Yeah. Um, um more real estate on the run is something uh, that I don't think I'll ever complain about. Yeah. <laughs> well, until you get to mile 18. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I yeah. say that now. And, um, yeah. No, but I think you'll be good at any, anything you do, Tom, because you're so, Thomas, you're so driven and you're so excited and passionate about this. Um, it's going to be so exciting. And I want to give a shout out to our two pro projects. Um, they both got their pro cards this year. Uh, I just saw um, Caroline's post that I yeah, guess. From, shout out to Caroline and Josh. Yeah, she sure. got hers and then um, Josh as well. So here we are, Waterfall, three new pros <laughs> launching out there. It's so, so exciting. And, um, you know, share with us, you know, what has Waterfall meant to you throughout this whole journey? Like, well, how have you felt? And and just share with people why it's important to be part of a community period. Um, but then just maybe some of the things from Waterfall that you like. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, you know, I, I came across Waterfall when um, they were advertising the pro project. Yeah. Um, and pretty much up until that point, I hadn't never really given being a professional too much thought. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, it had crossed my mind. Um, But really the end of last year was when, you know, when I heard about the pro project and 
all of a sudden I heard about like, you know, the opportunity to go live in Boulder and train like a pro. And I was kind of like, oh man, like that sounds amazing. So, (laughs) um, I mean, I cannot say enough good things about the role that Waterfall has played um, in this past year for me. Um, I mean, and on so many different levels, like from the Discord to, you know, being able to ask questions to the pros and um, hear Taylor tell us everything from, you know, her race pacing and fueling strategy to her favorite Christmas cookie. Um, (laughs) But then also getting to do meetups um, and, you know, seeing people in Milwaukee uh, for nationals was amazing. And then obviously us connecting the Gusta um, and the huge number of people that were out in Boulder was incredible. Um, And I mean, just the, you know, the support of all the connections that waterfall has afforded me thus far um may it be in person or even on social media like even just people you know um sharing the waterfall story or you know giving my story a like and their fellow waterfallers and it's great um and then you know most recently it's exciting because um i am starting to do these with rides um every other saturday so we're going to, you know, have the team on for groups, groups with rides every Saturday. And it's just another way to connect. So I think that universally, one of the things that can happen to athletes, but triathletes in particular, is you spend so much time training mm-hmm. that it can feel lonely mm-hmm. um, because a lot of it has to be done alone. And that's just the reality of it. So having such an incredibly supportive team um, and community to be a part of it's what gets you through those days when you're you know questioning if you're going to be able to get through that session <laughs> or what what have you right but then being able to think back and see all these other people who are like-minded and doing what you're doing is just it's invaluable yeah yeah and I just want to pull out a few nuggets here from what you're saying and, and one of the things is you know sometimes I think we don't even think to dream big right until we see an opportunity or we see somebody else dreaming big and then we think, why not me? Right. Like when you saw the pro project and, you know, and then, you know, even though you didn't necessarily make the pro project, you thought, well, why can't I make this happen on my own? Right. Like what steps, if it catches my attention and it becomes my dream, let me start moving towards it. And, and then the other thing too, that is so cool. And this applies to everything in life, but you know, when we apply it to sport is, Sometimes you just have to start moving and then the opportunities will start coming. It's like, cause it's easier to steer a moving ship than one that's standing still. 100%. At first where you are right now and everything you've accomplished, if you were to even look a year ago or, you know, a year and a half ago, you would say, no way. Like how, how would I get there? Right. (laughs) But you started taking the steps you started working towards. And then along the way, like you're saying, you start meeting people And then the other thing, too, what you're saying and why I think community is so important, too, is you have to surround yourself with a baseline of people that are higher than you. And that's why the discord, I think, you know, that opportunity, like you said, to talk with Taylor Nip, to hear from her, like you set the standard of normal being way up here. So then we start comparing, not in a, not in a, it's more of a compare to inspire, you know, not compare to feel bad about yourself. But it's like, well, if they can do that, I mean, I can at least get here. 
and then I can at least get here. And before you know it, you're way far ahead of the normal. And then, you know, and you just start passing, um, you know, whatever success is for you. And that's how community works. It's that encouragement. It's that surrounding yourselves with people who are just as crazy as you are, if not more <laughs> crazier. <laughs> it, it normalizes being crazy, you know, because you can imagine too, like in the age grouper world and my world too, like, you know, there's not moms in my, especially where I live, there's not moms going out the door on a tri bike. You know what I'm like? That's like, oh, yeah. Like, who's that crazy lady? Like, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. So, and, <clears throat> no, I mean, I, I totally agree. And, you know, one of kind of my favorite, like, little phrases that I tell myself a lot and I have been telling myself for those past years success doesn't happen in a vacuum. Um, so, you know, it's easy to isolate and yeah. it's easy to, you know, just get into your own zone and do your own thing. But the reality of it is, if you do that, you're just handicapping, right? Yeah. Like, because unless you surround yourself exactly like you said, with people who are, you know, of another level or can add something to your experience, you're never going to truly figure out exactly how far you can go. Right, right. Because we have such a limited, like, world around us. And if we don't change that and surround ourselves with a bigger world, a higher world, a more delusional world, <laughs> you know, we will stay in what's a baseline and what's normal for us. And we raise what's normal, right? We raise the normalcy. Like, you know, for instance, for us to say, oh, I'm in off season. I said that to the, the little ladies that, like, check you in and out at the pool. But off season to them means I'm only working out two, two and a half hours right now. Like, to the normal right. person, that's like, what? You, you're doing two and a half, two and a half, hour, that's <laughs> two and a half hours a week, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's what they say. And and the old me, the old you, two and a half hours, that's solid. I mean, that's like a lot, right? But that's just our rest right now. Like, that's right. our kind of our off season. And, um, you know, so it is, it is funny how our perspective changes. Um, and we're so excited to watch you continue to grow and dream big, Thomas, be delusional. That's what's so fun. Like I like living in a world of delusion, you know, because no one can ruin that for me. You know, I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so it's, it's fun. You've got to do that. Keep going, keep chasing that. Um, I think we all need a healthy amount of delusion. Um, <laughs> of I don't think that any success would happen without it. Honestly. I know. I know. I think I, I still think I'm going to be crushing some really good times this year. You can't tell me I'm not going to. In my mind, I think I'm going to. <laughs> no one should tell you you're not going to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun. Um, okay. Well, we will keep our eye on you. Um, I guess we'll be seeing you at Oceanside. Are you going to any of the, the waterfall camp in Clearwater or no? Um, kind of to be decided. Um, I need to talk to Jack and we need to figure out if we're going to end up rolling over there together or not. Okay. Um, fingers crossed it's yes, because okay. I would love to see everyone down there. That would be fun. I'll be yeah. down a lot of our teammates are going to be down there. It's going to be, I'm just thinking, how cold is it going to be? I hope it's a, not one of the cold front, cold front. <laughs> we're going to be getting in the ocean, but I guess we'll all tough it up no matter what. Uh, no one feels sorry for you when you say it's so cold in Florida. So <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. All right. Well, happy new year to everybody. I'm super excited to see what um, this new year brings. And honestly, everybody look back at 2023. And what I encourage everybody to do is look back and wherever we are right now, finishing up, you really need to take the time to go back and to break down. If you are in a place where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm so happy how I ended. I'm so happy of everything I accomplished, just like you did this year, Thomas. 
you really need to go back and document what were the things I did throughout 2023 that got me here so that you can kind of, you know, like have a, a, a moving forward, you kind of have a map of I did this, I did that, I did that. And let me continue to do those things and then add to it. Um, because success doesn't happen by accident. And we know you put a lot of hard work into it, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. Uh, and we're excited to to see where it takes you next year. So thanks for being on here. Happy New Year. And once again, big congrats. Well, there you have it. And I hope and wish and pray that you guys all have an incredible finish to 2023. Whatever it is you may be doing on New Year's Eve, stay safe. And then here's to 2024, right? I'm super excited. I have a lot of opportunities in 2024 and a little bit overwhelming at the same time. Uh, I have two big races pulling at my heartstrings. One is racing Nice in Worlds, which, you know, I already uh, broke the checkbook and paid for that. So that's pretty much set in stone. And then, uh, you know, because I qualified at the national championship at Clash, I was able to make Team USA and um, I actually reserved my spot to race there in, uh, in Australia for that. But the problem is they're both back to back. The one's in August, one's in September. And uh, I do have a job <laughs> and I do work and I do have a family. So just a lot of things to figure out to be able to uh, keep things rolling around here professionally, personally, and um, also have the time logistically to train and travel. And then of course, I have a whole bunch of other fun races that I'm going to throw in between. So that is my 2024 season that I'm looking at, that I'm praying about, that I'm hoping I can figure it out. But that's part of it, right? Just get moving and figure it out as you go. Because the truth is, so much will never make sense on paper. That's why you just get moving. It's easier to steer a moving ship, like I mentioned with Thomas, than uh, you know one that's standing still. So we will hopefully figure it out and um, praying for a healthy year for all of you guys as well. But don't be a stranger. Reach out. Tell me who you'd like me to interview. Let me know what races you'll be um, doing because I'd love to catch you and get recaps of them. And thanks again for a wonderful season and Happy New Year. Well, thanks for joining us on the Waterfall Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Joy McAdams. And if you'd like to find out more or join our community, you can find us at waterfallracing.com or you can also find us on Instagram. If you have any mailbag questions or ideas for future guests, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at jmcadams5. And remember, when it comes to training, sometimes it's just about showing up. I love the mantra, anything is better than nothing. Some days it's just about that consistency. Remember, consistency is always king. Happy training.